This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AmbaCast. This week, we're going to talk a little bit more about a program we've talked about before, NIMVITIS, the National Motor Vehicle Title Information System. But we're going to dig in a little bit deeper on the law enforcement use and the law enforcement tools related to NIMVITIS. And to join me this week to talk about it, I have two great guests. I have the current chair of our NIMVITIS law enforcement subcommittee, as well as our previous chair of said committee. So the, the previous chair is Chris McDonald. Chris is the executive director of the Maryland Vehicle Theft Prevention Council, which is a part of the Maryland State Police. And our current chair of the subcommittee, Detective Derek Dinsmore, the main department of the Secretary of State Bureau of Motor Vehicles, where he's a detective. Derek, Chris, uh, welcome to both of your first appearances on the Amphicast. So let, let's, uh, let's try to define exactly what we're talking about when we throw around these words, NVIDIA's law enforcement and NVIDIA's law enforcement tool. Um, you know, by way of background on a previous episode, I had Vivian Cameron, who I know both of you know, and anyone who knows NVIDIA's knows. <laughs> we talked a lot about what NVIDIA's is and how it works and the, the role it plays on the titling issuance and titling checking side. However, we talk a lot about being able to fight vehicle theft, VIN cloning, title fraud, and the law enforcement community relies on NIMVITIS um, a lot to do that. Chris, you were the chair of that subcommittee for, for many years and have worked in around it. Um, if somebody was new to this conversation, give us your 101, if you will, on that nexus of the NIMVITIS platform and law enforcement. So thank you, Ian. Um, so when you look at, you're looking at NVIDIS and, and when we're looking at investigators that are investigating vehicle crimes, you know, which, you know, vehicle theft, title fraud, you know, various uh, um, other crimes that, you know, NVIDIS is a tool, right? It's another tool in your toolbox as, you know, you're running bins, you, you, if you're in the vehicle crime, you know, arena and doing those investigations, you, you need to, you need to use um, NVIDIS. You know, one of the, you know, the two main goals of what the you know, subcommittee had was, you know, promoting NVIDIS amongst law enforcement and not just law enforcement, but our, you know, our investigators at our DMVs, sworn and non-sworn and, you know, supporting them and, and, and making them aware of, you know, that's an important tool. And the other, you know, goal was to make Invitus better. And that's where we worked, you know, with our great folks with, with AMBA and with DOJ to, you know, always, you know, fine tune uh, the law enforcement access tool and make it better for our investigators as they're doing these investigations. Mm. So that law enforcement access tool, can one of you uh, unpack that a, a little bit? It's not, you're not 
connecting to Nimvidus the same way we talk about consumers connecting to Nimvidus or even DMVs that are doing titling. You're connecting through it through a different portal. So law enforcement access tool gives a little bit more uh, information. We can run FBI, NCIC, auto theft files right in it. So if you, you know, for instance, where I work in Maine, I work specifically with a salvage unit, and we're into unlicensed junkyards all the time. And these are the junkyards that aren't um, entering into Nimbidus a lot oftentimes, and we run into hundreds of cars, and we're stockpiling VIN numbers, and it's the law enforcement access tool where we can access it as sworn law enforcement and also DMV investigators. It gives us a one-stop shop spot where we can run that VIN, not only get the FBI, NCIC files, a stolen vehicle, we get information on uh, NICD uh, counter, uh, counterfeit bins and counter uh, cloned vehicles as well as all the other information. We even have Mexican stolen vehicle records on there, uh, has a VIN analysis on there so you can tell what specific vehicle it's assigned to, so it'll tell you if it's a valid VIN. It's just, it's just very more in-depth for investigations into the criminal world. And both of you kind of inferred this idea that it's available to both sworn law enforcement officers as well as non-sworn uh, DMV investigators. Does the access or the information available differ at all depending on whether or not you you're, have access as a sworn officer or not? I, it's it's going to be the same if, if, you're, if you're allowed access to your regional net, network or the uh, uh, LEAP portal you're allowed to have access to what's in there. Not all sworn um, parties are, are privy to the FBI NCIC files is pretty much the only thing that would be omitted, I believe. Now, Chris, Derek talked a little bit about one of those examples in Maine on how they use the tool, they work with salvage yards. Similar in Maryland, different focus. How would you uh, compare and contrast that? No, Ian, the same focus. So as you know, we have a, a, a business inspection law in, in the state of Maryland, which allows a uh, auto theft investigator to do unannounced inspections at all vehicle related facilities. So it, it plays a huge part in that. And, you know, Derek mentioned that you run the VIN through Invitus, you know, it's hitting all the states, every, all these other different topics that are, are in there. He mentioned a uh, with the, the Mexican database, with, um, you know, FBI, with NCIC. So it, it saves the investigator so much time that you don't have to individually you know, run this through, you know, all the different states. So it's it, it does help in that, that one-stop um, shop where, you know, that investigator can run that VIN and get a multiple amount of information in, in, a, in a short amount of time. And so I guess, and back to you, Derek, the, the contrast of what Chris just said with being able to do that, making it more efficient, um, prior to this, I mean, investigations didn't start when the Invitus Leet started. What was that world like and how has the ability to investigate changed because of having the Invitus law enforcement tool? Uh, prior to having this tool, you would have to run everything individually and not every investigator would think of every check that this pro, this tool does uh, so you may miss something that was would uh, that, of the information that it would provide you uh, 
Um, so you would be missing crimes potentially. The other thing with this is you'd be running one VIN at a time through the NCIC records, NLITs, or whatever um, the investigators use to pull all the information from. This allows if basically we can build a Excel spreadsheet with up to 10,000 VINs, you can run them all at once and get the uh, checks for every little part of the investigation uh, very quickly. It's less time consuming, a lot less time for analysts to have to put uh, together information. It basically sends you a packet of information that's And I'll go back to Chris now. You know, we keep referring to this with this phrase, vehicle crimes. And we talked about some of the salvage yard stuff and, of course, stolen vehicles come up. But for those, we have a lot of listeners from all disciplines. Can you help me unpack what we're talking about? When we're talking about your investigating vehicle crimes, what, what are the crimes that are being investigated to build cases against? So when, you know, when you go back, and I'll just go back a little bit in history, obviously vehicle theft, right? So vehicle theft, um, when I first went into it, when I was you know, sworn with Baltimore County Police Department in 1995, you, you usually had a, you know, we concentrated on, you know, whether it was non-professional thief or joyriding and the professional theft. So it was just kind of like, you know, vehicle theft then was, was just out of control. So as the years have gone on, we've encompassed and realized that there's so many other things other than just the vehicle theft. So we've extended the vehicle crimes, whether and that would include, you know, carjackings, your traditional vehicle theft, vehicle finance fraud, um, title fraud, car stolen and, and, and burglaries. So you, you get all these different other crimes that are associated with um, you know, with the vehicle, you know, most, you know, your, your suspects out there, they're not going to do a burglary or a robbery or any other violent crime in their own vehicle. A lot of times it's connected to a stolen vehicle. So as you get that, you know, Invitus helps not just solve auto theft, but all these other array of crimes that are associated with that vehicle. And it's just, it's, and like I said earlier, just another, you know, tool in that investigator's box that it can, whether it, whether you're a sworn law enforcement, whether you're working in, a, in an MBA or insurance investigator or fraud investigator, and it can help you with that whole array of, of different crimes. And are either of you finding that the, the, the data and the evidence coming from using the VITAS as another tool in the toolbox um, besides uncovering more crimes and more evidence, um, taking it to full prosecution, convictions, or fines, if it's more of an administrative process, uh, has it shifted the ability to try to not only uncover the crimes, but actually ultimately hold these individuals accountable and make sure they're receiving the proper punishments, for lack of a better word? Yes. Short answer. Yes. So it, it has. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, we have this federal invitus law that um, is in effect, but what we have been pushing as far as the, the subcommittee is and with um, you know, great staff and great folks at AMBA is, is getting an individual laws within the states that then it becomes a state law and it, it, it holds a lot more 
you know, traction as far as our investigators. And then they have that state law to, to use to prosecute these invidious violations and, and connecting those to, you know, other, you know, other crimes that are related to, to that vehicle. And Ian, uh, as far as um, the NVIDIA's law enforcement access tool being useful in prosecution, it absolutely is. And we've had many instances where we're able to provide a prosecutor or the attorney general's office, uh, basically the packet of information that we get from the law enforcement access tool so they can easily see uh, the history of the vehicle, um, what was done, and if it was stolen, it's easily pinpointed on that report when it's all all spit out at you so they can follow the case a little more clearly uh, you know in, in Maine we implemented and we we heard through the subcommittee what was going on and we um, went and uh, passed legislation here in Maine two years ago that you know enforces our um, junk salvage industry uh, businesses to report basically copying the federal law makes it a state law and it's uh, punishable by a misdemeanor crime here in Maine. So if, if a dealer is not reporting to NIMVITUS, uh, they can be held criminally responsible with fines up to $1,000 for individuals and up to $10,000 for corporations. Um, as far as what we do, we also use this to expound about your previous question um, with what, what type of crimes we're doing, title washing, to see if someone brings a vehicle from state to state to try mm. to clear that brand off there so we're protecting our consumers here in Maine. We have, at our division of enforcement here in Maine, we kind of have a regulatory side and a criminal side. We're sworn investigators through the state. We've all been to our police academies, uh, but we're, we're really um, protecting an industry here in Maine, whether it be the car dealing industry or the uh, junk salvage world. And you know, Invitus is good because you can look and see if a vehicle's been salvaged out, if it's had a brand, uh, if someone has tried mm -hmm. to wash that brand off, because you can easily trace you know, a vehicle from California to Nebraska to Vermont to Maine, see where that title washing mm -hmm. process has taken place to make sure that used car dealers or new car dealers here in the state are not getting a hold of vehicles that are you know, subpar for the community that we protect and to make sure they're safe vehicles that we're putting on the road. So that's one of the things additional just to your basic auto theft that we do here, although we have had that recently, and it's not so much your chop shop stuff that we're seeing up here and joyride theft. A lot of the stuff that's ending up here is a sophisticated criminal enterprise uh, where people are, you know, going out with either fraudulent identifications or stolen identifications and renting vehicles through large rental companies and uh, revinning it with an actual VIN number that matches the algorithm mm -hmm. for the manufacturer. And they're somehow getting those title off of real title paperwork that may be stolen. And we can track, you know, title number to a different vehicle. And we're getting a hold of these vehicles and pulling the bins off of uh, secure locations and determine that they are, in fact, stolen throughout the country, all over the place. Hmm. And are, are either of you hearing from your colleagues? Is that uh, those trends that you're talking about you're seeing in Maine? happening everywhere? Are there particular hotspots? Uh, have either of you heard as you've been able to stay connected with your with your colleagues across other state lines? Yeah, I can answer that. And uh, we've had a lot of them from my area in Maine and the Northeast come from, they may originate in Boston. Um, 
And then some of them are throughout your larger urban areas. And even, even here in Maine, it just shows that we're not, mm-hmm. um, we're not, uh, we're not kept away from this type of crime, even though we're a smaller state with fewer population. I mean, we've recovered eight of these just in the last several sure. months. So, you know, if they're not stolen here, they're definitely ending up here, whether we've had instances where people are buying the car that's too good to be true and they're coming across a 2020 mm-hmm. GMC 1500 pickup mm-hmm. truck it's worth sixty, seventy thousand dollars, but it's you know been stolen, and now you're able to buy it for forty or fifty. You think you're getting a good deal, and when it all boils out in the investigation, you're losing out on fifty thousand dollars that you may not get back unless your insurance company is willing to help you. Because you've bought either a stolen car or a, a car that has exactly. damage that's been hidden. And Chris, similar, is it a similar trend in you know the Maryland, Mid Atlantic area? Is it regional? It is. So, I mean, obviously Maryland's a small state too, but 6 million people. So it's very populated and so close to, um, you know, Pennsylvania, New York City, Virginia. So we do have, um, you know, the same thing Derek talked about, the same cases, the same type of things that are are happening. And, And it's pretty much, you know, happening, you know, across, across the entire country. So. And what about Chris, you know, the port of Baltimore has a pretty, you know, big footprint in terms of vehicle import, imports. Does that play into anything unique that you in Maryland and others that have major ports, is that a factor at all in, in your work? It does. So, you know, anywhere that you have a port and just because you have a port in your area, I mean, we've made, uh, you know, a lot of great cases where cars were stolen from other, you know, other states you know, and, and shipped out of the port of Baltimore and vice versa. So, you know, your thieves will look at, you know, they'll port shop, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. see where, you know, where's the best place or where do they think they have a better chance of getting their, um, their vehicles exported and stolen vehicles exported. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's always a challenge for law sure. enforcement and, and for, you know, keeping up with that and, you know, and, and Vitus is, is part of that, right? So they're, you know, running a record check and, and running an Vitus check on, on a, a vehicle while you're, you know, once it's presented to, to customs for export, they, they have, um, you know, a certain amount of time where it can sit there before it's actually exported. So they make sure that, you know, they're doing their due diligence to make sure it's it's not a stolen vehicle or there's any other um, issues that they have to, to look at. So. And D- Derek, any similar type, uh, unique characteristics of being a border state and, you know, vehicles constantly crossing in and out of Maine, uh, back and forth to uh, Canada? It does on the export of the vehicle and but the one thing that we don't have in the law enforcement access tool access to yet is uh, Canadian stolen vehicle records and uh, that would help us a lot up here Um, we just got contacted recently by the border patrol and we're doing some work with them lately but the uh, canadian pacific railroad purchased a large section of railroad through maine which allows them to you know transport their trains from canada into maine and then back over to canada on the eastern uh, part of canada and out their ports and there have been many vehicles that come through. Now, not a lot of data is coming from Canada on those vehicles, but because of the VIN analyzer, we can see if they're actual real vehicles. A lot of them aren't. They've been able to pull a bunch off 
to be further checked and they've done their due diligence and have located some stolen stuff. But if uh, we had better access to that Canadian uh, stolen vehicle records or any other uh, title records or registration records, go a long way in helping us up here mm-hmm. in Maine. So would it be uh, safe to say, as the new chair of the subcommittee, that might be now uh, on the radar and perhaps uh, one of the priority areas the committee will be looking at going forward? And yes, we have, we've been yeah. trying to uh, do more work with our, our partners to the north. And anything else that's on the subcommittee's uh, priority list as you uh, assume leadership of the subcommittee? Uh, we're always out to uh, educate, get more law enforcement signed up on this to take it out. Mm-hmm. Take advantage sure. of having this tool where every time, every day, we're basically looking for new places to do trainings. And uh, uh, everybody's going out on the subcommittee. Paul Steyer's been going out with the new uh, um, person. Tom Foster's going to be doing that as well. Yeah. And I'm going to be getting trained myself to try to get involved in some of these trainings as well. And, and so who is it? When you talk about doing those trainings and going out, you know, I, I don't want it to leave it self-evident when we talk about going out and getting more people. It's it's more people like you, right? It's it's your colleagues that maybe aren't using the tool that we want to get in front of and make sure they're aware of it. Is it that? Is it quite that straightforward? Exactly. We're just looking for uh, audience audiences. You know, uh, obviously, there's the AIC every year where you're getting a bunch of people that are involved in uh, the world of motor vehicles, and we're you know, yeah. likewise the same for law enforcement. Whether the International Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, other types of um, programs that are going for people to uh, attend, you know, whether it be district attorney conferences or wherever we can get um, into a large group of people to try to get the word out. And if they're not using it yet, how much of a lift or a change in operation is it for them to start using it to be able to connect uh, does it does it take any effort, or is it as simple as knowing what the URL is and being able to start using the tool? Uh, they have to access it through, like I said, the FBI uh, Law Enforcement Enterprise portal, the LEAP, or through their regional information sharing uh, system. Uh, up here, it's NESP in the New England State Police Information Network. Uh, that's where our access is gained through the, through the uh, law enforcement access tool. But it's pretty easy if you have the credentials to be able to online through the uh, URL that's provided to you. They will vet your information and determine what level of uh, access you will have, and uh, you're on it within a matter of days. So when we're talking about that outreach for people who aren't using it yet, and we're going to be optimistic and say there's at least one listening who maybe falls in that category and says, I want to start doing that, and it's as easy as going through those portals. Um, what do they need to do? Who do they need to contact to get started? Uh, the easiest way, if you know your uh, regional information sharing system uh, contact, is to get in touch with them. Most states, you know, in Maine, we have one here from Nespin itself. So all of the New England states have their own individual contact person. Uh, your, your organization may already belong to that risk program, and it may just be as easy as finding out who would grant you access to risk through your agency. If not, you can go onto the FBI uh, Law Enforcement Enterprise portal and apply to that location as well. Uh, Chris, I asked Derek uh, a little while ago about you know the new and 
continuing priorities of, of the subcommittee now that he's taken over the, the role of chair. You were chair of the subcommittee for, for quite a number of years. And I'm curious, as you look, look back on that, if there's anything that you would really point out as you know key successes that you were particularly proud of during your time on the subcommittee. Well, I, I think the main successes when, you know, when the subcommittee started in 2011, um, as a working group, we, you know, I, the state's reporting were right around 50%. It might have been a little less, a little more. So we are, you know, with the great work of, um, you know, AMBA and, and, you know, the states coming on board, we're almost 100%. So that's, that's a huge, um, you know, accomplishment. I know it's taken time, but it's, it's, you know, it's a heavy lift for a lot of these you know, states when they have to, you know, when they implemented Invitus and, and changed a lot of their systems. So mm-hmm. that I think is, is huge for, for, you know, us with the, uh, you know, Invitus subcommittee, law enforcement, you know, subcommittee yeah. for getting that. Cause that's more information. That's more, um, you know, data that, you know, investigators have now when, when they're doing these searches. So it's, and it's always, we're always trying to tweak it. You know, like I said, the two main goals were um, pushing it, you know, getting, you know, getting more and more investigators um, involved in it and aware of it so they can use this tool and put it in their toolbox and then working with DOJ and adding things and making it better, you know, trying to get <laughs> our, you know, our folks to the North with, with Canada and getting that data, getting, yeah. Um, export data from customs. So those are those have been ongoing projects that you know I I hope that they they come to fruition here you know shortly under you know under Derek's leadership now. So those are those will always you know trying to make you know that system better. And we rely on not just the subcommittee members, but you know users in the field and get that feedback from them and says, hey, you might want to look at this. You might want to look at that. Because, you know, as we, you know, in our professional lives, we always want to try to, you know, make things better, more efficient. And, you know, so we can pass those on to the to the users of the law enforcement access tool. Well, Chris, Derek, I appreciate you spending some time today to talk about the law enforcement element in Invitus and the law enforcement access tool. You guys talk about this topic a lot more than I do. Is there anything we really haven't touched on that you think at a high level folks that aren't familiar or folks that we want to get interested in this conversation that we haven't talked about that you really want to point out? You know, all I would say is obviously there's a link on the AMBA website. Mm-hmm. Go to the law enforcement link on Invitus. Look at that. Look at who your committee is. There's committee members. You know, Derek is the chair. And, you know, there's a lot of information. There's a bifold, an Invitus bifold that, you know, we always look at to, to update. And you can get more information on, on Invitus there. Uh, and, and just, you know, take time and look at it. Yeah. It's, and, and the best part, it's free. Right. Mm. There's a charge to have access to it. So that's a big deal that we haven't even mentioned. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a new like you say, it's another tool in the toolbox. And it's a tool that is there at, at no additional cost to the yep. in the, whether it's the individual investigator or the agency that's using it. It's already built in to your it's essentially already built into your systems. You just have to use it. Exactly. Derek, last word from you. Uh, no, I just uh, 
I'd like to thank you for your uh, interest in discussing this and getting the getting the word out a little bit more. There's always uh, stakeholder webinars as well for Nimvitis, and uh, I urge people to take a look at those in their upcoming meetings and stay informed in those as well as the uh, fraud discussions that we do. Derek, Chris, thank you both for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. I want to thank all of our listeners for again tuning in. And of course, thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amicast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.